You're listening to the Bible Roots Podcast with Pastor Randy Frazee. If you're a church leader looking for creative ideas to help your church engage more deeply with the Bible, this podcast is for you. And now, for today's episode. Well, welcome everybody to this podcast, a podcast all about Bible engagement. In our very first podcast, we started where we needed to start establishing the case for Bible engagement. And I had a very cool conversation with Callie Parkinson, who is the key voice behind a very important survey tool called Reveal, which has had over 2,500 churches and 600,000 people take the survey. And it shouts out two major discoveries. First, the number one catalyst for spiritual growth is Bible engagement with no close second. Basically, no matter where a person is at on their spiritual journey, Bible engagement is the key practice that will jettison their step toward Christ. The second big discovery, the number one thing people want from their church is to help them understand the Bible. Think about it. The number one thing that people need and the number one thing that people want is basically the same. And I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. As a leader, as a pastor, I must put the majority of my energy in this direction. And so I want to encourage you to go back and listen to this podcast, this first podcast, leave a review, share it with the few people you know, particularly pastors and church leaders. Now, I am so, so excited about this second episode, because today I'm having a conversation with Scott Beck around the topic of how people grow and so much more. And I have to tell you, Scott is one of the most fascinating, interesting people that I have ever met. And to top it off, his wife and him are intense followers of Jesus. If you're familiar with the Reveal survey, I would definitely say that Scott and Teresa fall in the category of Christ-centered people. Scott is also, in my estimation, a scaler, which is one of the reasons I love hanging out with him. He stepped into a video store back in 1985 and went to the owner, the sole proprietor of this little shop, and said, we can scale this. And it became, guess what, Blockbuster Video, and scaled, according to my research, upwards to 9,000 stores. Church leaders think of this in terms of multi-siting. He went on to acquire a chicken restaurant in 1992 that underwent the fastest growth of any restaurant chain in the country. It was called Boston market. Not only that, he went on to partner with others to raise up Einstein Brothers Bagels, Ancestry.com, HomeAdvisor.com, just to name a few. Now, the rest of the story should read, then Scott and Teresa retired in their early 40s, bought a private island, which they accessed by a private jet. But that is not what happened. Instead of me telling you what happened, I am glad and excited to welcome Scott back here. And Scott, thank you for being on this podcast. And why don't you tell us what happened next? Well, thanks, Randy. Um, I appreciate the the introduction. In all of that, there were a lot of ups and downs. I got to tell you, <laughs> it sounds like success followed by success. But I can tell you, there were a lot of failures in the midst of that. Yeah. And that's really what it means to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, I love, love the church leaders because I haven't found a more entrepreneurial bunch in my life. 
than people that are willing to go out there and against all odds, build churches, start churches. And so, wow. you know, that's the way that it, that's the way that it's been. Um, you know, in, in reality, uh, God didn't create us to, to retire and relax. Okay. He, he, he got, uh, work was created before the fall. Right. And right. so, you know, work is worship and how we, how we, you know, present ourselves to God. That's just all part of worship and all part of our own personal growth. So mm-hmm. Teresa and I had no interest in slowing up. Uh, and in fact, you know, our desire was to take, you know, the skills, the tools, the networks, the resources, and apply them to be able to serve the church in the broadest of senses, not just the churches, but the parachurches and all the organizations that sit around it. So we had no interest in doing anything, but continuing to work hard. Yeah, I have to tell you, Scott, um, I, I, I'm, I, uh, in the time that I've known you about getting close to a decade now, to be honest with you, I think, uh, you know, there, there's a great humility to you and to Teresa. And, um, and I have to say, I say sometimes, you know, I think the reason the Lord didn't provide for me the same level of financial success he has for someone like you is because he knew that I would get that private idol in, or I would do, I would just get out of the game. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, think I don't so. know if I would or not, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, but you, uh, you, you actually work harder than just about anybody I know. So it's not like you're just putting in a couple of hours a day. So what what is driving you uh, in that pursuit? I mean, what's what is that sort of, you know, holy discontent, that sort of thing that must be captured that that only you, uh, Scott Beck, can pursue, and so therefore you're giving it all up? Well, I mean, we all show up with being part of the body, with our unique gifts, with our our strengths and our weaknesses, right? That's that's what that's what it's all about. Mm. But you know what drives us as you as you as you described you know we we learned a lot about scaling things about being able to bring infrastructures and economies of scale to industries and so when where our heart was just really really pierced was the idea that we're moving into this next um um uh decade with some of the most incredible set of technical capabilities that mm. God has allowed to come into its ex- existence for his purposes. Yeah. But we realized that they were only going to get accessed by the churches if the churches could get the benefit of their collective might in being able to afford them and then being able to move them. And so that's what's really got us is, is what does it mean to be able to bring some infrastructures to help churches gain the benefit of these next generation technologies so that they can serve the people with those so they can scale relationships it's not about technologies eliminating relationships randy it's about scaling those relational interactions and how can technologies do that and Teresa and i we just said hey god willing we got another 30 years and we're just gonna put it out there and serve the churches and help them scale and I'm so excited for people to hear this podcast, maybe some who are super interested in Bible engagement, but just don't know how to get more and more people engaged in Scripture. I think it was Billy Graham who made the prediction that the future revival of the church is going to come from business leaders, which is really cool, the partnership of business leaders who love the church, who are partnering up with pastors, you know, who spent a lot of time learning to teach and provide you know, biblical instruction coming together to figure out how we can grow the kingdom. You, you in, in again, as, as I've gotten to know you and as I've done a lot of, you can just Google your name and you find a lot of stuff 
Everything was good, by the way, which is really good uh, that I saw. Maybe <laughs> You're not digging deep enough. <laughs> maybe on page 15, you can find it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure the same would be true of me. I don't dare do it. But, you know, one of the things in the business world that you were spotted by, you know, people who wrote a lot of these articles is that one of your sort of, they uncovered the keys to success is that you took data really seriously when it came to running the businesses that you run. Uh, so tell us about that and uh, and why you think data, because it sounds kind of unspiritual. It sounds sort of like, where's the Holy Spirit? You know, that kind of thing. But why is that? Put data on the map for uh, everyone that's listening. Yeah, well, you know, number one, listening is critical, right? I mean, we have to be good listeners. If we're not good listeners, you know, we're, we're not going to be in a very, we're not going to be in very close relationships if we don't listen well. And we're not going to serve people well if we don't listen well. So listening is just fundamentally data, right? We're, we're hearing, yeah. we're listening, we're asking questions. And so that, that, that's super important. The second thing, Randy, the word no, K-N-O-W, shows up more than twice in the Bible as the word love, okay? No is fundamental to biblical frameworks and concepts for us to be known, for us to know, to ultimately be fully known and fully accepted, right? I mean, that's just all part of the equation. So yeah, data is just literally the, the word that we use right now for being able to better know something. So knowing is, is critical to, to all of us. Well, you know what, that is a, a really great theology of data, you know, that really under undergirding it is love which is our biggest thing at all of all in the christian faith i mean love is it and then just the idea of to know and to be known and i and i and i think scott in our in our day and a with a lot of the troubles that we're having with all kinds of political and uh issues etc is that people aren't taking the time to listen to one another and data is just a uh in this research is just an organized way of I'm not just listening to one person but listening to a group of people a nation of people and then developing your strategy from that right yeah and it can provide insights i mean the work i mean you, you know we met as a result of the work that you had done around reveal and the christian life profile yeah. and you know those those were seminal works that really um you know allowed the church to really start to ask questions and to be able to understand more who their congregants were, what was the composition of their church. These are such important things. And, you know, you were pioneering that. That's how we met. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how we met. And, uh, and, uh, you, you know, it, that reveal got started, you know, through the Willow Creek Association, and I was a teaching pastor there for three years, and and they were super interested in the work that I did with George Gallup and the Christian Life Profile. Uh, I got super interested in the idea, this basic idea of like, wow, instead of guessing where your people are at, why don't you listen to them, ask them, and then develop your strategies around that? That just seemed to make a lot of sense. Is, is that why you purchased uh, reveal is because of your passion for uh, just understanding the people you're serving. Yeah, well, I, we, what we wanted to do is 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 purchase reveal so that we could get it out there as broadly as possible, so there would be a common framework, a common framework for churches and the people and the content providers to be able to be on the same page. I mean, literally to get on the same page so that we could start to have a common measurement framework around spiritual growth. 
And then since then, working with Barna and working with others, there's now you know, a common framework for vocation and a common framework for finance and a common framework for relationship and a common framework um, for finance, uh, I mean, for uh, mental health. So you know, these areas of spirituality all the way to relationship, getting common frameworks out there are really important because then, you know, number one, we can be, you know, speaking the same language. Yep. Number two, we can start to measure, we can start to measure what matters. Okay. Because what people, what the, what the pastors are, are brought in is for life change. They want to see lives transformed, right? They want to see them grow spiritually and relationally and vocationally and financially and, 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 and in their overall health. So now with getting common measurement frameworks like a reveal provides, you can start to begin to see what are the interventions, what are the programs, or what are the what what are the activities that actually start to move the needle. And you know, Bible engagement is right there. It's core in all of them. I mean, I wanna, Bible engagement and prayer are core across yeah. all of it. I want to I want I want to come back to that in just a second. But the two things that you brought out again that are really powerful, and one is that it pr- creates a common language for us to to talk uh, nationally. Uh, so the church I'm serving here, they've done reveal three times, one time when I wasn't here, and then right when I came, and we just did it again. So now we have a common uh, sort of benchmark uh, baseline for this church. But what's really beautiful about it is that we're able to sort of uh, compare ourselves nationally with other churches because, you know, a score of 75, is that good or bad? You know, well, we have an idea. And then from that, I'm able to uh, go to the congregation and say, we've laid out plans because churches have limited resources. We want to make sure we're putting our resources toward what's going to help you right here in this congregation uh, grow. And so uh, 1st of January, I'm doing a uh, January 9th, I'm going to be doing an entire message on reveal for our congregation, which is really pretty cool. Uh, So I think that the the idea of creating a common language, and then putting in place uh, with limited resources that we have sort of efficacious uh, activity uh, to help them grow is is really a, a powerful uh, reason why you'd want to engage in this discipline. So, so you talked about um, uh, Bible study and prayer. You know, Acts chapter two laid out that those are two of the main four devotions. Talk a little bit about that, and, and not only Bible engagement, but also what you've learned in the area of prayer. Well, I mean the 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 date the data is really clear, and and what the data says is that Bible engagement is the number one way to get somebody to continue to grow in a more Christ-centered manner Um, and getting in the word and being in the word. I mean, I am so grateful to my wife, Teresa. Um, I tell you what, she is, she's in the word all the time and she's, she is my champion. She champions me to be able to get into the word more. Right. And, and it's that, that not only is going to then help us grow, but it also helps us grow as a couple. Okay, because when we're engaging in it together, but Bible engagement is the key. Now, you know, right behind that prayer, you know, so if you're in the word and if you're, you know, making your petitions, you know, before God, those things are just at the core of everything. And, and I don't care if you look at relationship or if you look at finances or if you look at mental and emotional health or if you look at vocation. All of those things are anchored in the end in the word and in prayer. 
Which is really exciting for anybody listening that's a, a church leader who, uh, over the last number of years, you're trying to think of what's the next creative thing that I can do, and you know, and how can I keep up with all this innovation? And at the end of the day, it really hasn't, the needle hasn't really moved very much in terms of, you know, Bible engagement and prayer, as it t- tells us in the book of Acts, is kind of the key catalyst for spiritual growth. So the good news is, you don't have to go to another conference to find a fancy shrink wrapped package, you know, uh, the scriptures and, and, and the spirit through prayer is really fundamental, which is pretty exciting. Hey, I want to go back to um, when you first started, which now what is now called glue. Uh, you first started it, you just didn't dive right into offering products and services to churches and nonprofits, but rather, you took a considerable amount of time, I can't remember how much time to really study um, your customer, or you refer to them as a champion, to try to learn about, uh, learn from them, just like you've done in the business world. Um, so uh, tell us, uh, you know, what you learned in those first few days, few months, or how, 18 months, or whatever it was, I can't remember. Yeah, for the first, for the first year, uh, Randy, we, we, we went and uh, we decided what we were going to do, there was a group of about five of us, is that we were going to go find champions, we were going to thank them, okay, for what they've been doing. We were we 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 listened to them. We said, "Why are you doing what you're doing? What do you most need?" And then we asked them, "How could we pray for?" Them? Mm-hmm. And they would say, "Well, you know, they pray for what I mostly need." No, we'd say, "No, how can we pray for you?" Uh-huh. You know. And then all of a sudden, it was like m- my son or my husband or you know my neighbor, you know. And, 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 and so in that first year, we literally went on, we called it a listening tour mm. and we listened and we prayed and it was, you know, it was after a year of that, that we decided, okay, you know, we need to, we need to get and start to stand in the gap on behalf of, you know, this faith ecosystem, you know, these champions to be able to help them get access to capabilities and technologies so that they can start to scale with technology, not eliminate relationships. I can't stress that enough, but scale the relational interactions to scale relationships using technologies. Think of them as superpowers that allow you to have more relational interaction, not capabilities that eliminate the relational interaction. Yeah. You know, I, and, and, and it's happening. You know, I was, I, I, I was this weekend, I was at Life Church, and we had a, a, a service um, Saturday evening at Life Church where they were celebrating the 500 millionth, 500 millionth installation of the Uversion Bible app, which think about that. It's across, it's across hundreds of nations and languages. It's two people download that app per second. The amount of stuff that's taking place as a result of technology and the Bible, okay, is unbelievable. The Bible is alive, okay? It, 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 is, it is not dying out. It is doing the exact opposite. Access is increasing. Engagement is increasing. The Bible is alive. And it was wonderful being there with Bobby Grunwald and with the, the whole version team, Mark Green and you know, just celebrating, you know, what's been done there. The Bible is alive. Yeah, way to go. I, uh, you know, would you, uh, I would compare this kind of 
it hasn't been like this since the Reformation, you know, when the Bible got uh, intersected with the printing press, right? I mean, this is a similar type of seismic shift that is taking place that is great for us in our lifetime to be able to take advantage of. I would imagine that um, you, you're, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, you're kind of like a, a Martin Luther uh, trying to sort of connect the, the beauty of the Bible uh, into, uh, into this technology and data. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one wants to be compared to a Martin Luther, but we're all, I mean, the key is to be in the game, right? Um, is to, is to, you know, technology is not a surprise to God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's not going like, Oh my goodness, you know, wow. technology. No, he is allowing technology to get into existence and he's doing that for his purposes to accomplish his purposes in terms of people basically coming and be in, in salvation and relationship with him and for them people to be able to grow in right righteousness. And so if we keep really sort of asking the question of how do we bring technology into alignment with God's design so that his purposes can be accomplished, can be accomplished and that we all can be transformed as we try to, to help, help this along. I mean, that's, that's the name of the game. And so we all have, I believe there's a moral obligation. We as an entire church have a moral obligation to deal with the complexities associated with technology, to bring it into existence in alignment with God's purposes for, for his glory. And, and, and we all have got to be part of that. And so we're playing our part. New version's playing, playing their part. You're playing your part. I mean, everybody's got to show up and we got to play a part. And, and show up and work together, I think, is a big part of what you're building uh, on the Glue platform, which is really cool. Hey, I, I, I remember the early days of us getting to know each other. Uh, I would come out to Boulder to your headquarters and plastered all over the wall were these drawings and this story. And I think I went through it at least three or four times and it would change a little bit here or there. But there, there was one particular drawing on the wall about what you learned, really kind of a simple idea about how people grow and uh, in terms of a local champion and all of that. Can you recall that and maybe talk a little bit about what you've learned? Because I think pastors and leaders uh, fundamentally need to hear this. Yeah, we, a, a couple of things. When you're building technology or, or when you're actually putting infrastructures in place to scale any, any business um, or any enterprise, or any industry, you always have got to start with the core process. Uh -huh. What's the core process? Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna be good at renting videos, you better be good at the core process. Buy a video, get it onto a shelf, okay? Be able to check it out, be able to track it, check it back in, and get it back on the shelf. If you can't do that well, okay, nothing's gonna work. <laughs> we call that the core process. Okay. Well, what's the core process as it relates to spiritual growth? It's basically a frontline champion, yeah. a pastor, a recovery care manager, a small group leader, championing the growth of another person. That interaction of one person championing the growth of another person, that core discipleship interaction is the core interaction. And that is what we've got to scale. A church only exists ultimately to be able to provide care and feeding so that people can help each other grow. I mean, the, the, if, if, if we're going to be successful, we're going to be able to scale that 
core interaction of one person championing the growth of another. And we're going to be able to, to be able to scale it, not only in terms of technology, but bring content into it and bring care and feeding around it because that's the core interaction. So that's, that's what we've been pursuing. Yeah, what's so brilliant about that is like here's the here's a person that uh, most of the people listening can't imagine, you know, growing something like Blockbuster, which was so so critical in our time. Or how many times I went to Boston Market for exactly the reason that you figured out, and that is is that people want this sort of home cooked meal but don't have the time to deal with it, right? And uh, and yet you're telling us the core process by which we need to scale is this simple idea of a small group leader or pastor and engaging with another human being to try to figure out how we can care for them in such a way that they can begin to grow. And again, everyone listening, it's like that. Uh, Scott Beck, the, the best scaler I've ever heard of in my life has just given us the core process. Now in that, there was also something dynamic happens to the, to the person that you're trying to help grow. Uh, you're trying to get them uh, to not only receive what you have to give, but you're trying to get them to do something as well. Do, do you? Um, yeah, what absolutely. Is? We call that we call that side switching. Okay, the best way the best way to learn is to teach. Okay, yeah. everybody knows it. When you want, if you really want to learn something, you know, teach it. And the same thing is true in terms of personal growth. When 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 that frontline champion is helping that person grow. The best thing they can do is as quickly as possible, get that person to help another person grow where they've actually switched sides and the, and the, and the, and the student has become the teacher, right? And that is, that is the whole framework. If you think about it in terms of, of discipleship yeah. and, and then in, in effect, what, what a church is, are the elders that are caring and feeding and disciplining the, the, the disciplers, right? It's not, you know, we, we, we think of it as these large institutions. It's actually just all there to scale those small interactions of one person helping another person grow. And the best way that they can help that person grow is to get them to help another person grow. Yeah, which is like, you know, right in there, the writings of, like in Titus, you know, is that it's sort of that multiplication process. But you're just given verification that what the Bible's really instructing church leaders to do is verifiably the core process uh, that we need to just put all of our energy into and just keep re replicating that and stop getting uh, you know, uh, you know, off track with where we're going. Hi, this is Randy Frazee, host of the Bible Roots Podcast, which is brought to you by my friends at Harper Christian Resources. Harper Christian Resources equips you to understand the scriptures, cultivate spiritual growth, and disciple your people with Bible study resources from today's most trusted voices. I want to add another layer to this. Uh, when, when I was coming to you, uh, we were uh, one of the things that I was heavily involved in, and still is to this day, which is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast for HarperCollins, is I, I did a thing called The Story and Then Later Believe. And in, in that chart, you have the role of content providers uh, in that process. Can you explain that a little bit? Right. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. If you've got that core interaction, one person helping another person grow, and then likewise, making it easy for that person to grow another yet, okay? Giving them some frameworks, giving them some roadmaps, giving them some content is, is, is spectacular. I mean, look at what has happened as a result of all of this great Bible study, all the, all the great Bible studies that have, that have created, been created, the small group curriculums, 
that have been created, you know, where I can take, you know, a family life, you know, art of marriage, and I can basically show up into a small group. And all I need to do is have enthusiasm and energy. And they've injected some content into that core interaction. So now we've got the core interaction between the person growing another person. We've got a church providing care and feeding for that person and, 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 and taking you know, responsibility to, to shepherd them. And then you've got these great content providers that are injecting content into the equation. Now you've got a functioning ecosystem. And ultimately, technology needs to allow those exchanges to take place simpler and simpler with more and more uh, efficiency and to be able to see what's working and what's not working so that then they can be continuously improved. And that's all knowing. That's knowing, knowing the, the front line, knowing the person, the front line, knowing about that content, the church knowing about that front line. That's the equation. I mean, because ultimately, you know, the key is, is that people don't gain their value in life through consumption. They gain their value in life through contribution. Mm. The, mm. It's, it's about contribution. The key to the church from our perspective in this next um, big move is to use technology to make it easy for somebody in a pew or behind a screen to contribute their energy to help another person grow. It's not about, you know, getting great programs so that these guys are all awesome consumers. No, we want to get them to be contributors. Yeah. That's how the church explodes, right? Get the people in the pews, make it easy for them to contribute, make it easy for them to champion the growth of another. Yeah, that's so br brilliant, and it, it's and it's it just resonates with everybody listening or watching. In in that we have really made a mistake over the last probably fifty to seventy years in focusing too much on making them consumers uh, as opposed to contributors. In in the reveal research, Scott, I recall that while Bible engagement is is number one, which would certainly include uh, prayer, uh, serving. Uh, was number two, and, and while it wasn't a, it was it was it, it wasn't a close second. In fact, it was second, which really under uh, under undergirds what you're saying is that to 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 get the scriptures, you know, and prayer into the life of the of the person you're trying to help grow, and then get them to contribute or to serve is going to create the best catalyst for spiritual growth, and that's what we need to get good at, right? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, intersect Bible with prayer and make it easy for people to champion the growth of one another. I mean, it's that, 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 that alchemy is going to release massive amounts of latent energy in the system. See platforms. Okay. And when we we're working at glue on platforms and platforms that will allow, you know, cooperative promotion and cooperative data and, you know, protecting all the data, but still giving them the benefit of all of that. You know, when, when, when you look at that and, and when all that, all that, that, that comes together, um, the, the, the idea is ultimately to allow these churches to cooperate, not only within a church, but between churches to release that latent energy. A platform doesn't make things happen. Uh, a platform lets things happen. Wow. All, all of those, all of those spare bedrooms wanted to be rented to strangers. Okay, they, they, they wanted to be. 
we it, it wasn't until you got the technology right that you released the latent energy of all those bedrooms to get to get rented to strangers. You had to get the technology right in order for that to take place. The same thing, all of those cars and, and all those people wanted to be part-time taxi drivers. It wasn't until you could get the technology right that it released that latent energy. Well, what is the latent energy in the church? It's the it's the latent energy that one person has to champion the growth of another. And so everything that we should be doing should be trying to crack those codes to be a platform, not to make something happen, but to let something happen. And the thing that we're, we're letting happen is Bible plus prayer, plus releasing the latent energy of the people in the pews and behind the screens to champion the growth of their neighbors. You know, and uh, when I go, uh, I was at Chick-fil-A today. We have a tradition on Monday. My, my wife and I have a cheat day where we're able to go to Chick-fil-A, although she got grilled chicken and kale, uh, you know, so it's not a cheat day for her. But I got my little nuggets and my waffle fries and that that cocaine sauce that they have, you know. that it's, Yeah, that's it's great. So that's what I did. But I'm always amazed at, at how they have found this core process, kind of like you have done, and they keep running that over and over again. And I think sometimes in the church, we get way too complicated and forget about that core process and the beauty of platforms like you're developing where people can find the right things is really powerful. I, I want to, we may have already covered this, but I thought it was such a cool quote uh, that I read online about you about research uh, related to Boston market. They said that you discovered that customers were looking for fresh homemade food that could be prepared with little or no fuss. And I wondered how you might apply that to what people are looking forward to today as it relates to spiritual food. I think we might have covered already some of this, but you have anything else to add to that? Because I thought that was brilliant. And it's exactly why I, I loved going to Boston Market. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Mar Boston Market, we we caught the the that home 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 meal replacement. We caught that curve where people were moving toward healthy. They wanted to get rid of the fryers and the microwaves. They wanted to basically get to things that were more authentic. Um, and, you know, we, we, we saw that early on and we, we caught that. I think the same thing is true in the church today. People are looking for authenticity. Um, this, this, this younger generation is, you know, you got to be kidding. They got media everywhere. They're not, they're, they're not going to be impressed by media. We're not going to have media that's going to impress them. What they're going to be impressed with is authenticity. They're going to be they're going to be impressed with, you know, uh, there's great research coming out right now uh, that some some Christians have come together and they've 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 got a study going. And you know what what it's showing is that the skeptics and the cultural Christians they are into Jesus. Okay, they relate to Jesus, huh. and it's because Jesus. Um, gets them. Okay. Jesus gets them. You know, Jesus was thrown into jail. Okay. Jesus was betrayed, right? Jesus had all of these challenges. Jesus went and hung out with just the normal people. Right. And so that, that research and that insight is you can build on just like you could build on the insight that, 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 that authenticity in food was critical right now. Authenticity in the church is critical. And it really is about the power of Jesus and it is about Jesus and, and what he did. And so I think churches getting away from the high production and getting more into the relational intimacy, that's going to be the key. 
and do that within the context of the person of Jesus. Yeah, and, and I, it was answering. I think we've already answered uh, the question. Like, if you were a pastor, how would you scale a church? I think you've really essentially answered that question, and uh, and that we need to get good at the thing that we need to get good at. And one of the reasons you and I are still in a really dynamic relationship is because what you are continuing to create at Glue, uh, and I'm thinking of this sort of collective power that you're creating in cities. And Kansas City, where I'm at, is one of those cities that you are focusing your energy on. And it is it, you're you're allowing me to be good at what I do, but uh, we can now partner with the other churches in Kansas City to get this collective power. You're bringing that to me, uh, and you've got all these donors that make it hard for me to say no to. And we're we're seeing tremendous tremendous momentum here in Kansas City. Can can you tell uh, everybody a little bit about like church cares and and for, for from the perspective of someone maybe who's never heard about it before? Yeah, I mean churches cares is a a, a relatively simple concept like got milk, okay? Yeah. You know, the dairy guys got together and they have an ad council, right? And that ad council basically says, let's pool our dollars Let's start to be able to drive the narrative and let's say that got milk is important. And we're not going to really worry whether we're organic uh, milk farmers or we make chocolate milk or we make ice cream. You know, got milk is the big idea. So we're like, hey, that's if the church is going to get the benefit of its collective might, there are a number of different ways that it's going to do it. And one of it is through cooperative promotion. So literally in Kansas City, in Dallas, Fort Worth, in Columbus, Ohio, in South Florida, we now have got um, cooperative advertising that's come together as a result of churches coming together and donors helping out so that now we can run um, churches care advertising. So literally in Kansas City right now, when somebody Googles divorce, they're not going to see six pages of lawyers and then maybe get to a church. In Kansas City, in South Florida, they're going to see, hey, maybe it doesn't need to end this way. Yeah. Churches care. They're relevant to you in your everyday needs. And we are in, in the last 60 days in those four cities, we have connected almost 9,000 explorers into those churches. And I'm not tell, talking about just somebody visiting a website. I'm talking about literally handing off one person to another person in relationship in a church, 9,000 new people connected into those churches in the last two months in those four cities because of cooperative promotion. This is an ad co-op, ad councils are not new ideas. I don't know why they don't exist in the church, but now they do. Okay. And that's one of the things that we're doing at Glue. We're super excited about it. It's called Glue Connect where we're connecting the churches, connecting the explorers, and using the church's care campaigns to be able to do that. Well, we'll put together, we'll put in the show notes, you know, how to get connected to all of this and learn more about it. And as it's going to grow and come to a city near you, but it's going back to that illustration you gave about the, that bedroom wanted to be rented out, you know, it was there yep. already. We just couldn't use the connection. And what, what I'm finding you're doing, because I'm in a city where you're very, it's very, very strong, is that we already have celebrate recovery and all kinds of things that we do great as a, as a local champion with, with someone who needs this in our community, an authentic relationship. We already have it, Scott. 
we don't have to develop it. We already have it. The problem is we got to be able to find the people out there that need it. And, uh, and, and that's what this does is it is, and, and, it, and, it, and, and we leave that part to you guys who know how to do it really well. And so I think for people that could be resident about it and they go, I don't know how to do all this stuff. Like, no, you do what you do and glue does what they do. And they have donors who do what they do. And we come in. And so we're using it for Easter this upcoming year. We're using it for all of the recovery programs that we have, these five di dimensions of human flourishing. We have specific programs like Financial Peace University, and we have uh, work with Les and Leslie Parrott on uh, assessments around your marriage. We're going to use it for back to church on Sunday. We're going to use it for Christmas. We're doing a beautiful Christmas at the movie ser series, and we want to let people know that are looking for community. Uh, we're doing it with prayer now through your thrive. I know we can't get into all this stuff, but we're using so many of the tools uh, where there's the beautiful thing about what churches do and primarily getting people to engage with the Bible and prayer with an individual, with a small group of people in your city, and you're bringing this technology to bear, uh, which is just so, so exciting. I just want everybody to ch ch check it out for sure. Yeah, thanks a lot. And, you know, nothing new needs to be invented, really, Randy. It's just what's out there needs to get scaled. You know, like you said, there are so many good programs and those programs can sit in those churches and we just got to make it easy for the churches to adopt them. And then we got to connect the people to the churches. And then guess what? Donors want that to happen. Yep. You know, they want to see their cities transformed. They want to be able to see those dials move when you can see, you know, um, people, are they flourishing more in relationship or vocation or finance or generosity. I mean, they want to see those, those things. So all the pieces are there. We're just, we're just being a little bit of the glue that allows those pieces to come together and work a little bit more efficiently. Yeah, which is really cool because uh, we're a large church, but we're working with churches of 100 in our community here, and we're working side by side together, and they don't have to bring any more to the table than we do to get to experience that same sign of collective power. Because as we recall, with the uh, Got Milk campaign above the dairy farmers, you know, one of the things that called them to do this is that they were suffering, right? I mean, they were losing market share. And if, if Barna hasn't taught us anything, he's taught us like, you know, uh, COVID uh, uh, taught us that maybe some people aren't as into us as we thought they were. And we're losing market share. We were before COVID. We are now. And uh, we've got to figure out how to work together uh, to pull this off. Right. Yeah, no question. I mean, hey, when 70 percent of the people are are going to church, <clears throat> there's not a lot of people you got to take them from each other. Yeah, you, know, you get down there to now 45% of the people are showing up in church. It's no longer about taking them from each other. It's like, let's grow the market, right? Yeah. And so there are a lot of dynamics that are at work right now that make it the most exciting time, okay? Yeah. It really is. It's the most exciting time. And I think that we're on the, we're on the, <clears throat> the preposition of, of just a, a breakthrough um, in terms of you know, these models where we're making it easy for people in, in the congregation to help one another. We're getting people that are needing the what the church has and getting them connected to the church. So it's a good time. Yeah, it really is. I'm going to ask you one more question, Scott, before we wrap yep. up. And, uh, you know, uh, you entered into this uh, uh, whole church space. I didn't need to, uh, but you did. And I think you probably learned that uh, for uh, that you that you know, and I can say is that church can be kind of frustrating um, in a lot of ways. Uh, 
But in your journey into the space, I'm going to ask you two questions and be straight up. Uh, is that what frustrates you the most about working with churches? And then turn your attention to what encourages you the most. Yeah, so <clears throat> what frustrates me the most would probably be just a little bit of the the, the rate of change. Yeah. You know, adopting new things is 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 um, is a little bit is 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 a little bit uh, burdensome, right? And so the rate of change and the adoption of new things is probably the greatest frustration. Yeah. But that's nothing compared to the encouragement. The encouragement is this. There is an indomitable spirit of these leaders mm. where against any odd, okay, they are gonna they're gonna be out there and they're gonna go for it. You know, everything that we're doing, it, quite frankly, for, for Teresa and myself in our life, is it's really about that. It's about being able to bring just any kind of energy, any kind of of resource, any kind of of wind beneath the wings of the, the frontline champions that are out there that are our pastors, that are our church leaders, that, you know, are, are committed to serving their people, committed to transforming their communities. I mean, that fires us up. They just don't quit. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and anything that we can do to be able to help that make it a little bit easier, give them a little bit more encouragement, give them a little bit more resource. That's what we're going to do. That's why we are in it. Well, what an encouraging message. You're right, you're right. The frustration is small compared to the encouragement you just gave us. And coming from you as a, as, as a, as a super successful business guy gives encouragement to guys like me uh, that are in the trenches and don't feel like we know how to pull off all that we're pulling off, that, that you're spotting you know, this, this, this crazy passion. For me, 33 years now, just I feel like I just entered into it yesterday. And, uh, and I have to tell you, Scott, um, you know, I'm just really grateful for you uh, in so many ways that you have uh, answered the call of God, you and Teresa answered the call of God in your life to come alongside and help the church. You, you, you're, uh, this happened to me in my early on in my ministry when Bob Buford stepped into uh, the church space and, you know, brought a lot of us together. And, uh, and you remind me a lot of the same kind of encouragement with a lot of muscle of just uh, humbly coming to the church and providing us with these resources that are going to help us in a lot of ways but also with these fundamental things like Bible engagement and prayer. So I just want to really thank you, my friend. Is there anything else that uh, maybe I didn't chat about, or ask you that you might want to throw out? I guess, <clears throat> number one, thanks. Thanks. You know, there are, I guess the point I want to make is that there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of, of these business people that are out there that are helping. Okay. Mm -hmm and that want to help more. We just need to make it easy. I mean, I look at our chairman, Pat Gelsinger, CEO of Intel. Okay, mm -hmm. one of the most high-pressured jobs in the world right now, and he's making time to be able to serve into churches. I look at the people like the Greens or the Cathy's. I mean, the, 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 what they're doing in terms of their yieldedness, and I'm just naming a few. I mean, I am so encouraged by the symphony, okay, the symphony of, of people that are in the marketplace, that are all in, all in for the church. So be encouraged. There's, they're out there and they're in your pews. You know, just make it easy for them to show up and to contribute. But Randy, I'm really grateful for the long-term relationship that we've had. 
Um, thanks for that. You're an encouragement to me. You keep me going. Uh, and I, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much. Well, everybody, uh, I told you this was going to be a fascinating conversation, and I can't imagine right now that you don't have at least 10 people that you want to share this podcast with. You need to be exposed to the movement that's going on in the church around the country. You do not want to miss it because we are working together uh, to help individual people in our communities you know, experience the fulfillment of everything Christ came and died for. And it's going to help you in the area of Bible engagement. It's going to help you in the area of prayer, but it's just going to help you grow in that. So it's not just one person you're working with, but it's a lot of people that you're working with. And so I would encourage you to uh, take this podcast and uh, share it with a number of people. And I want to tell you that we're going to continue this podcast in our episode three. We're going to be having a great conversation with Kyle Eileman from South East Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. He's an interesting guy, one of the largest churches in America, but he has a love for the scriptures, and particularly we're going to learn about what the role of story is in Bible engagement. So until next time, uh, God bless, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Bible Roots Podcast. We hope you were encouraged and energized by our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review. This small gesture will help more church leaders discover our conversations around Bible engagement. And don't forget, like and subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Now, may your faith be strengthened through God's word today and every day.